Big Blue looks to end their nine-game losing streak when they welcome the Dolphins to the Swamp. We preview the Giants game Sunday with Eli behind center again with the veteran post-football columnist Steve Serby. Two-time Super Bowl champion Giants defensive end Matthias Kiwanuka joins the pod as well. Also, your best start set options in your fantasy football playoffs and what teams you should be betting on. All that and more next on Blue Rush with the New York Post. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Jimmy Fallon. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, rate us five stars, and write a nice review. We will gladly take it at this point. Steve Serby and Matthias Kiwanuka join the show today. Let's get it on. Here we go. Here we go. The Giants getting ready to take on the Miami Dolphins out at MetLife Stadium. Good seats are still available. In fact, all seats are still available. Let's be honest right now. 2-11 and 11 against 3-10. and 10. But joining me now on the show, a guy who has a winning record every year in life. It is the lovely and talented New York Post sports writer, Steve Serby. Good morning, Steve Serby. You know, I, I always, I like it better when you insult me. I don't like all these flowery well, uh, platitudes. <laughs> I'm trying to clean it up. You want to know why, Serby? Because now yeah. somehow, you know, they say like you're building a culture when you run a sports organization. Well, our culture's gotten a little loose, and now I have Paul Schwartz taking shots at me on the air, too. And and what started out as a Giants podcast has turned into the Friars Roast of Jimmy Fallon, and I'm fine with it, but I just want you guys to know that this is uh, the theory of mutually assured self-destruction. At some point, I'm going to start punching back here, Serby. Well, look, uh, in fairness to to myself and to Paul Schwartz, you're an easy target. (laughs) Hey, and and let's face it, with with the year we're having, uh, somebody needs to hit their target on the field because it hasn't happened a lot. Have we, um, I know the Giants have lost nine in a row. How about the Blue Rush? How, have we seen, we have not seen a Giants victory yet, have we? No, no, no. This is like, uh, we're rooting for a comet at this point. It, it flies over like once every 15 years or something like that. We're 0-9. There was a point, like, when we had lost the first seven games of this podcast, Serby, I was like, yeah, maybe it's us. And then I watched the defense Sunday in Philadelphia the other night, Monday night, uh, in overtime, and I was like, yeah, it's not us. It's, it's not us. We got nothing to feel bad about, Serby. So wait a minute. We're, the Blue Rush is 0-9? We have not won a game. We have not won a game. Uh, and that includes the father-son game. I believe we lost that during the bye week as well. <laughs> it's not wow. Pretty. Maybe it is us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, somebody, somebody man, uh, offered me tickets to this game yesterday. They're like, yeah, you know, the Giants, Giants-Dolphins Sunday, you want my tickets? I'm like, dude, what did I do to piss you off? That you want yeah, me to drive out to East Rutherford in five hours of traffic and watch this well, atrocity? Sure. Look, this mm-hmm. may this may be the week. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, the Miami Dolphins are are unfortunately are not tanking, and it looks like the Giants are. But yeah. uh, as long as look, the season will be a success at this point if the Giants get Chase Young. Period. Yep. Boom. I agree. We get a Buckeye. We need a Buckeye. Jimmy, I actually have to correct you. We oh, are Jimmy. 0-7, apparently. We we missed two of those losses, so we are 0-7 as a Giants podcast. All right. Wait, so, wait. All right. I feel better. It's not us. Well, I want, no, I want to jump in. Hold on, Jake Brown, because Jake Brown loves to interject with an inaccurate fact. That's, no, I've this, learned that about. We we launched on October 21st after the Giants lost that we heartbreaker to the Cardinals. Uh-huh. No, they were 2-4 and because we, we didn't start the show whoa, whoa, after those whoa, whoa. Vikings or can Patriots I, can I, I will stand corrected if you are correct, but can I just jump in for a second? We launched a podcast at two and four. Yes, 
Yes, we did. <laughs> a little late, but better late than never, you know? So we we, uh, we missed the uh, the start of the Danny Dimes era in Tampa then. With all this losing, it feels like we've been doing this podcast for three years. Jimmy, in, in 1976, when the Giants lost nine in a row, what do you recall about that team? Uh, me being born on December you were about, 17th. No, you were about 35 back Stop then, Stop it. Right? I missed that entire season because I was born December 17th, 1976. So I missed it. That's why I'm so optimistic, Serby. Uh, wow. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But by the way, if you're going to come on this show and take age shots at 42-year-old Jimmy Fallon, Steve Serby, I have seen younger faces on money. Are you kidding me? Are you, Wait a minute. <laughs> Four, you're only 42? I am 42. Wow, you look so much older. <laughs> Love it, sir. And, and this podcast is definitely aging you as well. <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. I, I just anyway, I, why, I keep, why, why are you why are you um secretly tweeting for Jackrabbit? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that, you, that was terrible. Terrible. Well, listen, man. There come when you when the season does this. There's going to be a little chicanery. Now, obviously, I'm not tweeting for him, but when the season gets to this point, this is to be expected. You've got a coach that pretty much everybody knows is getting fired. Uh, you've got a, fa- uh, you know, a, 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 an apathetic fan base at this point. The Dolphins are coming to town. This is when things happen. Like, do you remember when the Mets were terrible and they started shooting firecrackers and throwing bleach on people in the 90s? Yeah, actually, I, I covered that team. Of course you did. We, uh, of course did. We've reached our Vince Coleman firecracker bleach phase of the Giants season. I was, I was actually in the press box in L.A. when we heard this explosion go off in the parking lot miles away and it was Vince Coleman doing his thing which had to hit home for you because you were around when fire was invented that it, correct <laughs> uh, Sir so you will not you will not be uh, flying a banner over uh, MetLife Stadium uh, a decade of lousy football we've had enough <laughs> I think we'd be well within our rights um that won't be me I've got you know some bigger fish to fry this holiday season uh but 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 I look at this game Serby. And I, I see a Dolphins team that has screwed themselves because in the NFL, you're either going to make the playoffs or you should go 2-14. and 14. Anything in between is a disaster because it puts you picking in the, high, you know, the low 20s, the high teens, which does yeah, nothing but they for have you. Three, they've got three number one picks, don't they forget. Do. But I, who, who wouldn't want a fourth at this point? I mean, look at all the wonders <laughs> it's done for the Cleveland Browns through the years. Yeah, but and, and don't forget, though, the Tua – Will will slip in the draft yep. and probably fall in their laps because of his injury. Mm-hmm. So so they're going to get their quarterback and and with those three picks, if they need a quarterback, if they want one desperately, they can trade up and get one. Yep, that'd be great. I mean, listen, I, I actually think they're in better shape than people realize because, as you just said, they have all the picks that they do. Uh, I think I think if you're working long con as a Dolphin fan, it, it is a lot better than it looks. As a as a Giant fan. We have big concerns because I think I think Gettleman's gone at the end of the year, but we need somebody to come in and fortify this roster because they didn't have the horses. You know, it's like Eli Manning got scapegoated, so to speak, because they started off 0-2 through no fault of his. And it's not to say they would have won if they left him in there because they had no line, they had no defense, but somebody's got to be held accountable for that. I think Shermer's gone. How long do you think Gettleman lasts into the offseason? Well, you think Gettleman's gone? I I'm not so sure. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know that the Giants historically do not fire general managers after two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know you can make a case for for them to clean house without a doubt. Um, Shermer's definitely gone. He was not the answer. He was not a CEO. Um, Ron Rivera. If they keep Gettleman, 
Ron Rivera obviously coached under Gettleman in Carolina, mm-hmm. and he's he's out there. Ooh. Matt Rule from Baylor is an intriguing choice. Mm-hmm. He's he's a CEO type, uh, a winner, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who turns around programs. And um, you know, I have another idea, but I, I can't share it with you right now. Ooh, sorry, Steve Serby with inside information can't be no shared. inside, just just speculation on my part. A common sense that uh, that would excite Giant fans, actually, but I'm going to hold off on that. I think he's alluding to my rumor that Bill Belichick's lifelong fantasy is to come back to the Giants and end his career with a Super Bowl in the Meadowlands. Is that what this yeah, is? Yeah, I remember. I remember you uh, espousing <laughs> that uh, ridiculous theory. Yes. <laughs> Listen, man. When Brady goes, he wants to win one without Brady. I know he does, and uh, I I don't think it would come to that here. I don't think Robert Kraft would ever let it happen. Uh, but a guy can dream when you when you've got the record we do when you've hosted a podcast that's never won a game in its history, you're allowed to dream. You got to think big, you know, Serbs. Yeah, well, Brady may end up leaving New England. Yeah, I know. I keep hearing those things. Like he shut down his charity. That means he's gone. I mean, I don't know. I I think we overanalyze Tom Brady. Uh, but but yeah, it, but, oh but Giselle Giselle may want him to just pack it in already. Yeah, that's what I mean. She may just retire because she doesn't want him to get hurt or beat up or anything like that. But he's yeah. not going to play anywhere else. It's so sick. I mean, I I don't want to watch that. You know, guy wins six Super Bowls, and then we're watching him. You know, we're watching Willie Mays play for the Mets for one year. I don't want to see the old Tom Brady struggling on the Raiders sideline or somewhere in California. And you want to you want to see Eli retire as a Giant, correct? I do. Uh Deep down, Serbs, I'd love to see him go to a win-now team, but I don't see that win-now team waiting in the wings right now. You know, I'd no, love to he, see it. He, he'll, have to, he'll need a training camp injury if he wants to play next summer. Yeah, that's going to be the problem. Because he doesn't want to be a backup. He wants to start. Yeah, I know. Well, that's his problem with retiring, too, is if he retires, he's a backup in all the commercials to Peyton. He's not even a first-string commercial guy at this point. Because he's got his yeah. older brother glomming all the Papa John's money, you know? That's okay, but for that kind of money, he'll t- he'll take being a backup. That's <laughs> a solid deal. Well, Steve yeah. Serby, you are a starter everywhere you go, and I thank you for putting up big numbers once again today. So you will not be at the game this Sunday? Oh, stop it. <laughs> we got to get your pick against the spread. Yeah, here. that's all we need before you go. What is, is the spread? You, you don't touch this with a 10-foot pole. It's not going to be in Brown's best bets, uh, <laughs> but it's a three-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Giants. So who do you got, Serb? Um, Dolphins. Oh, you take the points on the road, Steve Serby. Hey, they covered against the Jets, right? They did, but the Giants are favored for a reason. You know, you got to look at it that way. uh, Go ahead. Yeah, and the Giants have Giants are ten and thirty-five in their last three seasons. (laughs) Is that true? That's such a horrible. That's such a horrible. How do we not have a whiskey sponsorship at this point on this show? Where is the big beer brand swooping in to save the day? Ten and thirty-five, Serby. You can. They need to to schedule the Washington Generals. (laughs) I don't know why. I'd I'd like somebody with a less formidable record at this point. I think we are the Washington Generals. They just forgot to tell us. You know, we're the uh, Washington Generals of podcasts right now, (laughs) Serby. I love it, man. Keep them coming. But uh, seriously, good luck. Uh, good luck this weekend. And if your schedule frees up, there's a hot rumor that Jake Brown and I are going to be down in Atlantic City two weeks from now doing this show. Uh, obviously, all the listeners would be welcome. But Steve Serby, I mean, we'd carry you in on a pedestal bed. Wow. I may, I may entertain that if I don't have to cover a game. But uh, I think you said you'll be in Landover. So on the, on the drive up, you know, Atlantic City is on the way to, uh, to Queens. It's a true well, story. Well, wait a minute. I'll be, yeah, I'll. 
I'll, I'll be. What's? Are you guys going to be there late Sunday night or no? Well, it depends how the gambling goes. The plan is to do the to do the podcast. You know, mi, you know, late afternoon after the game. Well, but you it, guys might need a designated driver. Maybe I should pick you up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might have to find us because if Jake Brown's gambling is any indication, we might be turning tricks in the boardwalk men's room by six o'clock. So uh, yeah. if you don't see us in the casino, uh, oh, knock sorry. on the door. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Yeah, Jake, Jake Brown's a gambler, all right? He's uh, he's aligned with you. That's that's the biggest gamble. <laughs> Woo! Of all. Steve Serby for the win, man. Have fun, have fun this weekend. I'll see you soon, buddy. All right, we'll see you Sunday or a week from Sunday. Let's take you into the world of Sam's fantasy this week for the fantasy football playoff semifinals with our New York Post fantasy football writer Samantha Praviti. Thanks, Jimmy. It's the semifinals of the fantasy football season. Let's run through who to start and who to sit at each fantasy position beginning at quarterback. Start Ryan Tannehill. Don't look now, but the Titans QB has led the team to four straight wins in six of their last seven. He's got great value in a battle for first place against the leaky Texans D. Sit Matt Ryan. The Niners defense is allowing the third fewest points this season and are an absolute sack machine. All right, on to running backs. Start Philip Lindsay. He's been the dominant force out of the backfield over Royce Freeman. He's been dependable all season with at least nine attempts in every game this year. Sit Tevin Coleman. His workload has dwindled since week 12, and he only had three rushes for six yards on Sunday. Ew. Start Ronald Jones. Jones is the starter once again in Tampa, and he's got a great matchup on deck against the Lions, who are allowing the fourth most fantasy points to running backs all season. Sit, Benny Snell Jr. He split snaps with Jalen Samuels and had less than 2.6 yards per carry last week. Yeah, with James Conner back at practice, he's not a good play against the Bills' stingy D. On to wide receivers. Start Kenny Galladay. His stock rises even more now that Marvin Jones is headed to IR. He is a top play this week against Tampa's poorest secondary. Sit, Brandon Cooks. The Rams' wideout has been a total non-factor since returning from the concussion protocol in Week 12. He laid a goose egg last week with zero yards. Start D.D. Westbrook. D.J. Chark was seen in a walking boot after Sunday's loss in his week-to-week. Westbrook should play a bigger role if Chark doesn't play. Sit, Cortland Sutton. He failed to take advantage of a weak Houston secondary and faces the Chiefs this week, who are allowing the fourth-fewest fantasy points to receivers this year. Next up, we have tight ends. Start Tyler Higby. He's got back-to-back 100-yard games and saw a season-high 11 attempts last week. Sit Mark Andrews. The Ravens' tight end suffered a leg contusion last week and was held to one catch on three targets for 14 yards, his worst fantasy performance all year. And lastly, it's team defenses. Start the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles' D gets another cupcake matchup this week versus a Redskins offensive line that ranks 27th in the NFL in sacks allowed per game. Sit the Chicago Bears. Chicago's been middle of the pack all year and just lost linebacker Roquan Smith for the season. And that's all for Sam's Fantasy. You can read my Start Sit articles as well as the rest of fantasy football coverage at nypost.com. Good luck in the semis. Joining us now on the show, a two-time Super Bowl champion, a Boston College standout, and a lifelong giant, Matthias Kiwanuka joins us on Blue Rush. What's happening, man? Not much. That's a hell of an introduction. Thank you. Yeah, right? Uh, you know, we're trying over here. We got we got to put a lot of effort. <laughs> At this point, the introductions are all we have because we've lost every game since we started this show. <laughs> So it started out, the, the show started out with like, oh, you know, uh, Harry Carson's here. But now we're doing like pyrotechnics. We're releasing doves. 
We got to play it up, man. We got to we got to play it up. Stay with us. Stay with us. We got some stuff coming up. I promise. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to get good. You're down in Fort Lauderdale now, which screw you, by the way, because we're freezing our butts off up here. <laughs> That was strategic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're down there now. Are you keeping up with the Giants in Fort Lauderdale on any level? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have two kids, seven and five, and they're starting to understand me as a person and what I did before. So we go to a BC game every year, um, and then we go to a Giants game, and I'm from Indiana, so we try to hit the Pacers, you know, at some point. So they they do. They understand the Giants, and I sit and I watch it. What I tell people is I don't, I, I don't necessarily watch football for the outcome. You know, I – I'm still a defensive end. I was a linebacker. So it's it's impossible for me to not watch what the D-line and what the linebackers are doing. And that's kind of how I watch football. So I sit on the couch. We start every game. And I explain to them what the guys are doing, what this guy should be doing, who gave up this leverage, and what you know whose fault that play was, you know, that kind of stuff. That's really funny that you say that because I've never talked to a player and had it explained to me that way. But it's kind of like if you'd be a terrible guy to go to a magic show with because you'd be like, oh, it's in his hand, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his sock. You know where it goes. Everybody, Everybody's watching, you know, the, the quarterback and the, and the ball get thrown in the air, and I'm like, whoa, stop, stop, stop. What, what happened to the uh... – what happened to the right defensive end? We didn't see. He's about to have a good move, you know. Like, so that's. Um, and I, I talk to a lot of guys, and that's kind of how you know it is. Like, at some point, you get to step away, and you just you're just watching if the team is really good. But for the most part, now you're you're stuck watching your position. Well, you you must obviously be blown away by what you've seen by this Giants defense this year. <laughs> Listen, I am in South Florida. I'm on the east side of Florida, so there's a lot of Giants who are transplanted down here. So I have this conversation almost daily, and I just say, you know what? Hang in there. Hang in there. It's going to get better. The mares and the tishes, they understand how to build an organization. They will get it right. They will get it fixed. And once the, the ball starts rolling, then you'll see that there is a lot of talent. You know, when you're winning, the talent comes mm. out. And when you're not, it makes everybody look a little worse. So it's not as bad. Do you like Chase Young out of Ohio State? Yeah, I do. Um, there, there's a number of reasons. I also um, was coached by Ryan Day. You know, he was he was at BC when I was there. So, there's, there, yeah. So there's there's an understanding. I believe Al Washington's on his staff. Like, there's there's a lot more that goes into it for me. Like, I look at a player and I'm trying to figure out like, are they going to fit in the Giants system? You know, are they going to be able to to walk that line between you know, being stuck in the media eye and not, you know, um, crumbling in front of it. So um, I, there's so there are so many intangibles that go into playing football and playing in New, in New York that I can't say I can't. I don't think you can look at anybody in the draft and be like, yes, this guy is going to be successful in New York. No, you got to see wait and see how it plays out. Playing under Ryan Day, did you did you see anything in him that told you he could lead a big program like Ohio State someday? Oh, he was confident. He, I, so I played with him, and I also played with Matt Ryan when he was young, right? And there's there's um, there's there's something about somebody who comes in. Ryan Day, he was a younger guy on the staff, but he was confident in himself. And he knew his stuff, right? So he was very respectful. He was very humble, but he was hardworking. And he, he knew where he was going. And Matt Ryan's the same way. He stepped on campus as a as a freshman. And, you know, he was throwing bombs down the field. We'd play, you know, at the end of every practice. Like, we call it go deep or go home. You just grab somebody. And you're you're the cover guy, and he's running the route. So you have you know D linemen covering receivers, and you have linebackers trying to cover you know quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. And it was just it was fun. So 
the guys who are confident, who understand what they're doing, and who have fun doing it, they usually end up being successful. Matthias, another coach you played for is some guy named Tom Coughlin. Uh, there's always the Coughlin timing and getting there early, getting there 20 minutes early. Was that instilled into you the rest of your life? Are you early everywhere you go? You know, I have an extreme level of anxiety anytime I get close to being late, you know, and I have to, like, remind myself to breathe and that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, and no, it's – um. It's a good thing. It wasn't just his early on time, on time, late thing. It was every little detail that, that he pointed out. So your socks had to be a certain level. Like your, you know, your, your tape had to be at a certain level. Like it was, he was very, very detail oriented. And I don't think it was all necessarily because the length of your socks is important. It's about how much detail you're going to put into everything. So when you're watching film with that same amount of scrutiny, you just become better over time. And that's, that's what I had to learn. You know, it really wasn't about the socks. It was about, you know, staying within the, the rules all the time and doing the most you can. And so I respect that. Yeah, it's, a way, it's basically just a way of doing things. You know, it, it, it infiltrates the way you approach the game and you approach your preparation. And it was reflected in the fact that he won two Super Bowls. Um, there's there's got to be nobody on earth better to beat twice than Tom Brady because obviously he's the guy considered the GOAT. You know, it was... Here's the thing. I'm from Indy, right? So before I got to the league, I was a Colts fan, you know, and that, so you have, so you have that. And then I went to Boston College, and I had to sit there and listen to all this, this, you know, this Brady, um, Peyton stuff. So then I go to New York, and I get a chance, and I beat them. And there are a lot of guys, a lot of, not even guys, like family members and, and friends who are just so conflicted because, you know, they're they're Boston people, but they were fans of mine, and, and I won, and they, just, they still have that, like, grimace on their face when they say congratulations, you know, but um, yeah, and I, I enjoyed it, not because of anything other than, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best, and that was the ultimate challenge as um, as a football player. It still is. The one thing we saw you guys do in ruining that undefeated season was you probably overcame what most people would consider the most insurmountable odds in a Super Bowl, you know, in, in that they had come into the game undefeated after you guys had that tight game in, in Week 17 where you almost picked them off in the Meadowlands. A lot of people in my position, you talk about watching the defensive line, a lot of people in my position thought you guys were just too much man for the Patriots that day in that very first Super Bowl. Did you guys feel that you had to go in there and win a street fight to slow him down and win that game? 100%. That, that was the game plan from the very beginning, and here's here's why. When you when we would get to um, to Friday or Saturday, uh, Friday, you know, in our preparation, we'd put on the, the all the clips of, um, quarterback hits, pressures, sacks, anytime he gets harassed, right? And as you're going later in the season, that clip grows and grows and grows. To sometimes it could be 15, 20 minutes, guys go to the bathroom, come back, eat food, and it's still on, right? And we're just watching it. When we got to the Super Bowl and we're watching Brady, that was like a five-minute clip. The guy never got touched. He never got harassed. The ball was coming out of his hands quickly. So he had the intelligence and um, of Peyton, but he also had the um, – you know, the quick release of Drew Brees and, you know, he had good pieces around him and he had a good offensive line. So we knew just from watching that it's going to be a different game if we can get to him. If we can identify somebody on their offensive line that's going to let us through, we need to attack that person and and get to him. And as soon as you do that, it changed the whole game. Oh, it sure did, man. And it's, it's so much fun because in the playoff games he has lost, he does adopt a look after a while of frustration because he's not used to getting hit. He's not used to Russian throws, but we've seen him do it twice now, especially in the second Super Bowl where, you know, Wes Welker 
might have wrapped that game up for him when he rushed that throw that was a little high and they dropped it, uh, you know, in the, in the last drive of the game. Um, when you, wa- when you watch um, Tom Brady play now, is he playing at the Tom Brady level you played against, or should we be reading into what everybody's starting to say now about the Patriots going downhill? Well, I don't think that you can read into it and say the Patriots are going downhill. He's he's a little older. It, it's it's a little bit more difficult. What I what I see is you know there are hits and those injuries do hits are cumulative is what my uh, my coach used to say. They're cumulative and they add up. So. As healthy as you might want to be, or you know, as well as you take care of your body, a sore shoulder is always going to be a sore shoulder. Sore shoulder. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of that going on. But you also got to remember he's the ultimate competitor. You could put him up there with Jordan, with Tiger, and with uh, LeBron, and all that kind of stuff. So if before you count him out, <laughs> you better make sure he's not coming back. So absolutely not. I'm not. I'm not going to cut him out. He's going to he could he could come back this year, next year and rattle off some wins because he's that kind of person. Another QB I wanted to ask you about cuz you played your whole career with the Giants. Uh some people are torn on this. Some people want to see Eli Mighty 10 finish his career with the Giants. There are others that would like to see him latch on to a win now team and and go out as a starter. Uh do you have any ambition for Eli one way or the other? I want Eli to go out the way that he wants to go out. I want him to be happy and as healthy as he possibly can. You play this game for your entire life, and then one day it's over. And people ask me, "Do you miss playing in the NFL?" And I, and I, to some extent, yes. But to the bigger picture, I had a football season every year since the early '90s, so it wasn't just getting to the NFL. So it's not just going to be his NFL career that he's going to look back on. This is a big section of his life. So however he wants to end it, if he wants to travel around to six more teams, let him do it. You know, it's, it's nobody else's business. You know, yeah, it might tarnish his reputation or this and that or whatever, but if that's what makes him happy, man, I more power to him. Oh, good for him. And, and, and another thing uh, that we've heard on this show that you don't hear a lot of, but we've had a couple of players tell us now, that Eli commands a lot more respect in the locker room when he talks than most people outside the locker room realize. Can you weigh in on that? Oh, 100%. Like, I've, I've seen him get up and give those, you know, front-of-the-room speeches a couple of times, and it was dead silent in there, not only because he doesn't talk a lot, but because when he does, there's value there. He's not just somebody who's out there talking to talk. That's one. Number two, He's just, he's a regular dude. Like, he's just cool. Like, if you're sitting there in the locker next to him, like, he'll just talk to you like you're, you're a regular dude. There's no arrogance. There's, there's no nothing. So he's, he, he kind of, um, you know, settles everybody down with, with his demeanor. And you also know that when you're in a football game and you're on the defense side and you've given up, you know, upwards of 30 points and your quarterback comes back down the field every single time and puts up enough points, but you respect that guy. You know what I mean? So, um, I think everybody around him always had the utmost respect because he was out there, he was working. There was a reason he had that, um, you know, consecutive streak, uh, which that's another situation we could talk about. But, um, yeah, I respected him. I know everybody else did. And it comes with being the person that he is, not just uh, being able to speak. You had another leader on that team. He's got a little bit of a bigger gap between his teeth, and he's making about nine figures on TV right now, Michael Strahan. <laughs> what kind of leader was he? We, we've seen him you know, pump up the locker room and do pregame speeches. Was he to that elk of Eli Manning in terms of being a leader? He was a, above and beyond, in my opinion. He was, he was one of the greats that I played with in terms of leadership, skill, ability, foresight, and, and humility. He, he, I remember at one point 
he was he came in the locker room and everybody's like, why do you deal with the media like this? Or, or why are you know why are, why are you even going back and forth? And he's like, man, he's like, I don't care about this. Like I'm setting this up for after I leave this game, you know. And I was like, I remember I remember him saying that. And then now looking back on what he's done, I mean, the guy had a plan. He had a game plan. He executed 100. percent He was confident in himself. But when we would sit there in the meeting room um, and watch film, there's another thing we had. We had Sprint to the balls, right? So that season where we won the Super Bowl from the very beginning, as a defensive lineman, we had to you had to show on film that you unnecessarily ran over 50 yards at top speed during the week. You know, a certain number of times I can't remember what it was. And so there's times I wish you can go back and pull up the practice film from from those weeks. There are times when you see you know Michael Strahan at however old he was just sprinting as you know I me mean, all the way out of the camera because he needed to make sure that he got his numbers in for that week. And that's the kind of stuff that, that I try to tell the young guys when I'm talking to them. That, that was before we won the Super Bowl. That was when we were 0-2 and everybody thought we, were, you know, we weren't going to do anything. So it takes that kind of, of, of drive and that kind of, of faith before you get there. You don't just show up in the Super Bowl and say, oh, I'm going to play hard now. No, you got to do that stuff from week one you got to pay the cost to be the boss man that's what they say there you go there you go i like it well well now you're the boss you're promoting uh wandering wine which is apropos because with the season we've had this year we could use a little bit of wine can you tell us about that real quick before we let you go (laughs) yeah so when i retired we started a company my buddy and i and um we have four different brands so wandering wines is our parent company we also have keen which houses most of our rosés and then we have Lost Find and uh, Peaks and Valleys. Peaks and Valleys is organic, and Lost Find is is more, you know, pedestrian. That's for everybody. That's the Pinot Grigio, the Pinot Noir, the Cab, the Cab Merlot, and um, and the Merlot. Those are the you know those the wines that everybody generally like gravitates towards. And Wandering Wines will be have a presence at the Super Bowl. You'll see us in a couple of places, I believe, um, the Commissioner's Party um, and um, Taste of the NFL and and a couple other things. So, you know, I tell people, it's like, where can I get it? Yeah, you can go online or you can go, when you come down here, go to Capitol Grill in Boca or in Fort Lauderdale and, and order a bottle and, you know, make them order some more bottles. That's how you can help us out. Well, I'll take a white and Jimmy will take a red. So feel free to send it uh, send it this way. There you go. We'll do it. You stop it, Jake Brown. L- listen, uh, Matthias, we really appreciate you doing this today. Uh, I wish you a great, hap- uh, happy and holiday season. And I hope maybe we'll see you down at the Super Bowl, uh, if, if you see anybody getting thrown out of the wine tent, that's my producer, Jake Brown. <laughs> Say hello. I'll be right behind you. All right. Thanks, man. Happy holidays. I'll see you soon. Uh, thank you, too. All right. Let me bring in my producer, Jake Brown, as we take a look at the betting lines in the NFL this week in his regular recurring segment, Brown's Best Bets. All right. All right. All right. It's time for Brown's Best Bets. Against the spread, NFL Week 15, man, the season is breezing by and we're almost coming to the end of the regular season. So you know the deal. Let's start off with my three best bets this week against the spread. Let's start in Carolina, in Bowtime land, in Bojangles land. It's the Seattle Seahawks, our six-point favorites at the Panthers. Hammer the Seahawks. Kyle Allen and the Panthers are unraveling before our eyes. Riverboat Ron is... On a riverboat somewhere, somewhere tropical maybe. I don't know where Ron is. The Seahawks are going to dismantle the Panthers. I don't need to give you any stats to back it up. Hammer the Seahawks as six-point favorites. Numero duh. The Eagles are four-point favorites at the Redskins. And listen, I know the Redskins have been competitive lately. Dwayne Haskins is taking selfies with fans. You know the deal. 
but the Eagles need to come around now. They know the deal. Win out, and you're in the playoffs. And the Eagles are a team that's built on late runs in the end of the season. Hammer the Eagles minus four. I don't think they're giving them enough points. They're a much better team than the Redskins, despite their struggles. And lastly, take the Texans as three-point underdogs at the Titans in Tennessee. I know the Texans laid an absolute dud at the Broncos last week. But can we stop making Ryan Tannehill our lord and savior? I know they've been scoring at will. I know the Titans are playing great. But the Texans are still a better overall football team than the Titans. And it's disrespectful that they're underdogs. Hammer the Texans plus three. You want to be safe by that half point and take them plus three and a half. All right, inject them in my veins just like you injected a coffee roll donut from Dunkin' Donuts on a Friday morning to start the weekend and a nice large iced coffee. It's your three-team parlay. 25 bucks cashes you 150. 50 bucks cashes you 300. So you know the deal. Let's do it. Three-team parlay, and this week I'm changing it up. I won last week on a three-team over parlay, so I'm just giving you all overs because I love overs and I love scoring. We're going to start Bears-Packers. Over 40 and a half of that game in Green Bay. Listen, Mitchell Trubisky's coming around. The Bears are scoring. They're winning games. They're in a playoff race. They're 7-6, and six, and we know Green Bay can score at will, and Aaron Rodgers does it every week. So, honestly, this number is way too low for me. And I think Vegas is begging you to hammer the over. So when Vegas begs you to do it, you know what I say? Do it! Speaking of begging me to hammer the over, in the land of Permanti Brothers in Pittsburgh, they are just begging me. They're on their knees. Take the over in Bill Steelers. It's only 36 points. And I know there's a 40% chance of snow showers in Pittsburgh. You can call me Al Roker now. But this game will hit the over. Both these teams are capable of scoring. Listen, Pittsburgh scored 23 against the Cardinals last week. They've been able to score with Devlin Hodges. If you can score with a duck, you can score with anyone. Ducks are all on the pond in this game. Take the over 36 in Pittsburgh in Bill Steelers. And last but not least, Saints Colts might be first team to 50 wins. Both of these teams have been scoring at electric rates. This game is New Orleans. Who cares what the weather is because it's indoors in the dome and it's going to be really easy in the big easy to score over 46 and a half so part three your parlay take the over 46 and a half in an absolute shootout so in the land of gumbo hammer over 46 and a half and that's it for brown's best bets for week 15 in the nfl so when you cash out your winnings this week here's what i want you to do I want you to send me the most pimped out menorah that you can find on the planet, whether it's eBay, wherever it may be. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, degenerates. We'll talk to you next week. That's it for this episode of Blue Rush. Thanks to Jake Brand for producing another stellar podcast. Listen to all episodes of Blue Rush by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting NewYorkPost.com. We'll be back Monday recapping the Giants-Dolphins doozy. Oh, boy. See you next week.